Today on the Matt Wall Show, the Biden administration earned yesterday the ignoble distinction of being the first administration in history to fly a trans flag outside of a government building. They're also the first to officially endorse chemically castrating children. Also, Kamala Harris once again humiliates herself by trying to say sentences out loud. Biden receives his fourth COVID shot live on camera. Caitlyn Jenner gets a job with Fox News. And a deep, dark secret about Clarence Thomas is exposed. You have to see this to believe it. It's pretty sinister stuff. And in our daily cancellation, we will, for the last time, revisit Slapgate to talk about the real villain in the whole debacle who has so far been let off the hook. But I can't let that happen. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Wall Show. Did you know that if you're currently on a phone plan with one of the major carriers, you're helping these left-leaning companies donate to pro-choice causes and candidates? A lot of people didn't know that, but a common question I get from my listeners is, what can I do to help turn the tides in the culture war? Here's a great first step. Defund the abortionists. Don't let them take your money and use it to further policies that you don't believe in. Switch to Charity Mobile today and they'll send 5% of your monthly plan price to any pro-life charity of your choice. Charity Mobile offers the latest 5G phones with no device or service contracts, plus great nationwide service. If uh, this sounds like a hassle, I assure you it is not. Charity Mobile makes switching from your current carrier painless. Their live customer service is exceptional and will guide you through the process. You can keep your number and and your phone in most cases. Or if you want, you can take advantage of my special offer and get a free cell phone with free activation. All you have to do to take advantage of this is call 1-877-474-3662 or chat with them online at CharityMobile.com. Mention offer code Walsh to redeem the free cell phone offer. That's CharityMobile.com. Mention offer code Walsh. Join the fight for the life of children by switching to Charity Mobile today. Well, yesterday, as we talked about on the show, the uh, sacred feast day known as the Trans Day of Visibility began with several major announcements from the Biden administration, the most startling of which was the new policy allowing non-binary, quote-unquote, Americans to list their gender as X on their passports. There are many reasons to oppose such a system, of course, and we talked about a lot of them, but I'm sure other countries, especially in the non-Western world, are actually grateful for the change because now they can easily identify the sorts of people they don't want to allow in. Naively, I thought the passport thing would be the most ludicrous and confounding bit of virtue signaling from the Biden administration that day. I mean, not like permanently, but I just thought, that day. It's not going to get any worse today, at least. I should have known better. This is, after all, the most disgraceful, deranged, morally vacuous, and anti-American presidential administration in American history. Lots of competition for that title, but really, when you think about it, there's no competition at all. I mean, Obama's regime was downright conservative compared to what Biden's handlers, with Biden as the figurehead, are doing. It's worth reminding ourselves that Barack Obama, the most liberal president in history to that point, was elected as a proponent of biblical marriage. That's how far down the slippery slope we have slid in just a decade and a half. And so things only got worse as the day went on. Uh, Many different governmental departments, agencies, etc., all took their turn broadcasting their LGBT allegiance. The Air Force was among them, marking the occasion with a video featuring Lieutenant Colonel Bree Fram, who's the highest-ranking openly transgender officer. And listen to this. You are an inspiration to many, right? Uh, You are breaking barriers. And um, it's important, though, for us, I think, for everyone to understand kind of what motivates you, right? What keeps you, what inspires you, what keeps you motivated? You know, what really keeps me motivated is the people that are going to come after us. Some people have called me a trailblazer in some of the things that I do. And that's something I really embrace. Because what that means is that it's not about me. It's about the fact that the road behind me is now paved and the generation coming after us has an easier chance to make it to where I've made it, to make it where so many others have made it, but then they've got the time and the energy to go further. So if we can set the conditions where the folks after us get to do even greater things, I'm thrilled. Trailblazer, sure. I mean, uh, well, he is probably the first male military officer in recent history to wear his hair that long, because that's all it takes, of course. I mean, this is a a white man who's a trailblazer in the military. I mean, for, you know, because you, you present yourself and it's like, oh, well, you're just a white man. Uh, nothing, nothing to see here. Then you grow your hair out and it's like, oh my gosh, you're a trailblazer. Other than the hair thing, it's hard to see what trail he's blazing exactly. Meanwhile, Biden himself addressed the nation to broadcast his LGBT bona fides. Uh, let's uh, listen to some of that for some reason. Today, we're announcing even more steps, but there's always more work to do. 
to end the epidemic of violence against transgender women of color and girls of color, to ensure transgender seniors can age with dignity, dignity, and to finally pass a bipartisan Equality Act to help transgender persons around the world live free from discrimination and violence. Above all, to be there with you. To parents of transgender children, affirming your child's identity is one of the most powerful things you can do to keep them safe and healthy. To any transgender American who's struggling, please know that you're not alone. To parents and children alike, please ask for help. And know this, you're so brave, you belong, and we have your back. God bless you all. Be brave. Needless to say, the bit about uh, there being an epidemic of violence against trans people is a total fabrication. Biden didn't fabricate it himself. I mean, it's doubtful he even knows what he's saying or why he's standing there in front of cameras at all. This is a long-established false narrative used by activists. In reality, there is no hate crime epidemic against trans people. It doesn't exist. It's not happening. There is zero evidence of such a thing. Um, and Biden also urges parents to affirm their child's identity. And on that, actually, we, we agree. It is of utmost importance, especially these days, that parents affirm and fortify their children in their identities, their actual identities, their biological identities. Teach them to embrace who they are, who they really are. Turn them away from delusion and confusion and towards reality and truth. Now, of course, when Biden talks uh, or calls on parents to affirm their child's identity, he means the opposite of all of that. He means affirm them in their non-identity, affirm them in a fantasy, affirm them in nothingness, and just leave them there floating in it with no idea of which way is up, which way is down. Speaking of which, the administration got into even more specific yesterday, specifics yesterday about how this affirmation should happen. Here's uh, the Daily Wire report reading now. It says, early transgender surgeries, hormone treatment, and affirmations are, quote, crucial for the health of kids and teens who identify as transgender and non-binary. President Biden's administration said in messaging released on Thursday, the White House flagged a resource from the Office of the Assistant Secretary for Health on Transgender Day of Visibility intended to, quote, inform parents and guardians, educators, and other persons supporting children and adolescents with information on what is gender-affirming care and why it's important to transgender, non-binary, non-binary and other gender-expansive young people's well-being. What is gender-affirming care exactly? Well, the administration has its euphemistic way of explaining that. Back to the article, it says, gender-affirming care is a supportive form of health care. The Office of the Assistant Secretary for Health Sheet says, it consists of an array of services that may include medical, surgical, mental health, and non-medical services for transgender and non-binary people. For transgender and non-binary children and adolescents, early gender-affirming care is crucial to overall health and well-being as it allows a child or adolescent to focus on social transitions and can increase their confidence while navigating the healthcare system, the White House said. Transgender surgeries, hormones, and affirmations are important, the White House claimed, because these procedures have been shown to increase positive outcomes for transgender and non-binary children and adolescents. Gender-affirming care is patient-centered and treats individuals holistically, aligning their outward physical traits with their gender identity, according to the White House. So just to be totally clear here, this is the White House officially endorsing the idea that we should chemically castrate little boys and chop the breasts off of little girls. Um, it's not the first time they've come out in favor of such barbarity, of course, but it's, it's still remarkable. I remind you again, Barack Obama was against gay marriage when he was elected. Fast forward just a few years, his vice president is now president and is issuing presidential proclamations about the wondrous benefits of castrating children. We must holistically align their physical traits with their gender identity, says the White House. Well, that's like saying you should fix a problem with your car's engine by getting a paint job. Only that analogy doesn't really work because a paint job can actually improve your car, if only slightly. It's not going to improve the way it runs, but there can be some improvement there. In this case, you're trying to fix a problem with the engine by taking a sledgehammer to the exterior. A child whose, a child whose gender identity, quote unquote, misaligns with his physical body, has a problem in his mind. And it's a quite understandable problem, given how confusing we have made the world for him. What he needs is help with his mind, help that could easily be offered. If only he wasn't surrounded by people determined to deepen and encourage his identity crisis. Towards the end of the day yesterday, as the um, last indignity, the HHS secretary tweeted this, 
says, um, on this International Trans Day of Visibility to our transgender communities, we see you, we stand with you, and we'll be there for you. For the first time in history, the transgender flag is flying in front of a federal agency, which is the uh, Hubert Humphrey Building in D.C. So the trans flag, right below the American flag, flying in front of a government building. A flag for a sexual identity. Flying right below our nation's flag. Now, one might consider it a, a small blessing that at least they didn't put the trans flag above the American flag or even take down the American flag entirely for the trans flag. That day will come soon enough because this administration has made its allegiances known. And those allegiances are not to America or Americans, but to the radical left. Now let's get to our five headlines. So we're going to start here because I, I just think this is great. We know that Kamala Harris is a wordsmith. Uh, we're used to hearing her speak with great eloquence. But there are moments where she exceeds even the already lofty expectations that we have for her as an orator. Um, and uh, moments just like this. Let's listen to this. We also recognize, just as it has been in the United States for Jamaica, one of the issues that has been presented as an issue that is economic in the way of its impact has been the pandemic. So to that end, we are announcing today also that we will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery um, by assisting in terms of the recovery efforts in Jamaica that have been essential to, I believe, what is necessary to strengthen not only uh, the, the, the issue of public health, but also the economy. So for Jamaica, one of the issues that's been presented as an issue that is economic in the way it's impact, and which is an issue in the terms of being an issue, which is economic and impactful in its economic impact, um, is the pandemic. And we will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery by uh, assisting in terms of the recovery efforts and in terms of the assistance efforts to assist in the recovery and recover our assistance, which will greatly assist with the recovery as the recovery requires assistance. You know, she seemed, I, I've said uh, before that she really reminds me of myself in seventh grade uh, giving a book report about a book I didn't read. Um, so that's, that's what always comes to mind when I hear her talk, but, but even more than that, it's like, there's, there's, it's, it's hard to understand what exactly psychologically is going on. I don't know if maybe her handlers for whatever reason are telling her that, okay, you need to get up there and talk about the Jamaica recovery efforts, but you have to talk for seven minutes. Just, you only have two sentences to say, but you, you need to talk for seven. I don't know if that's what's happening. I don't know if she has some weird, and maybe this is in the DSM, they've got everything else there, but it's some weird mental illness where she's afraid of ending a sentence. Like she's afraid of punctuation and she doesn't want to end a sentence. So, so every time she's in a sentence, she feels that she needs to just keep it going and going and going because that's what I detect. You can almost see the panic in her face as, she's, as she feels herself getting towards the end of a sentence and she has to just keep adding words onto it. It really is amazing. Um, elsewhere in the White House this week, Biden himself stumbled and uh, bumbled around on stage while receiving his COVID shot. This is now his fourth COVID shot that he has received. And uh, let's, let's just watch a little bit of this scene here. So now I'm going to get my second booster shot. His second booster shot. So fourth shot altogether. Mr. President, what is the danger of Putin being left in the dark by his military advisors? I'm reluctant to comment. Can you comment on He looks totally lost and confused. That he doesn't trust his military leadership? Why would you do this? No. I can't. What's the, what's the idea? What's the plan for the White House here? Why would you... I don't understand why you're putting this guy in front of cameras at all anymore. But especially in a situation like this where it's off script, you have him walking. First of all, never have Joe Biden move on camera at all. We've seen what that looks like. What did President Zelensky tell you? And now you're putting him in front of an audience, in front of cameras. No script. 
And he's just sitting there looking confused. He has no idea why he's there. He doesn't know what they're injecting into him. What did President Zelensky tell you about? I don't think anyone knows what they're having injected into them when they get the booster shot. But um, all right. And then he gets his booster shot. He's, told, he's, he's laughing. What is he laughing about? All right, let's, let's cut out of this. It's just depressing. That's a, that's a confused man. Well, here's, look, here's a story that, 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 that may, may not seem related, but I think it is. Um, you've probably heard of the, the thing about Bruce Willis, and he retired from acting this week after it was revealed that he was suffering cognitive decline stemming from uh, uh, brain damage likely suffered during a stroke. And so now, apparently, he doesn't, he doesn't have much memory. He doesn't really understand where he is. And, um, and it's really, really quite a sad thing. He's only, you know, in his late 60s. And he's retiring from acting because of it. Well, now reports from outlets like the LA Times have come out indicating that everybody around Bruce Willis knew. This was uh, another one of those open secrets in Hollywood. Apparently, everyone, everyone knew that this was happening, that Bruce Willis was, was kind of losing his mind. And they knew about his mental state. And yet he was being exploited by his inner circle and his handlers, sent out to keep doing these crappy, cheap movies for quick paydays. I mean, he's, he's losing his cognitive faculties. And yet Bruce Willis was putting out like eight movies a year and all of them were going directly to streaming or going right. One of those movies, it's not even on streaming. It goes to like Redbox or something. Um, just these not even B movies. And that was raising questions even among just average fans. Like, why is he, why is he doing all this? I know he's getting paid for it, but, um, well now, now we start to understand that the people around him just, they knew that he couldn't go do like a real movie with, with actual acting involved or we'd have to memorize a script. So they just had him doing all these terrible movies, collecting, you know, $2 million here, $2 million there that would then funnel down to them. Um, he's being propped up right? And shuffled along for the benefit of the people around him who are exploiting him. And it kind of reminds you of someone, doesn't it? Very similar situation happening in the White House, I would say. Which is why, I mean, I, I've been hesitant to say this, but I know more, uh, more and more we're hearing from conservatives over the last few weeks, especially, that, you know, this is a 25th Amendment situation. This is a uh, he needs to be removed from office. And of course, you haven't hesitated to say that because that means that Kamala Harris takes charge. Hard to see that as an improvement. But as wild as, it's, as it sounds when you say it out loud, she actually would be an improvement because at least she's basically cognizant. And it is a serious national security threat to have somebody like this running the country. It'd be a national security emergency to have Kamala Harris running it, but maybe slightly less so because at least she's at least she's conscious, at a minimum, most of the time. She seems to lose consciousness while she's speaking a lot, but I mean we can assume she's got a little bit more of it than Joe Biden does. Um, it is a it is a it's hard for me to feel sorry. I don't feel sorry for Joe Biden because he even before he started losing his mind, um, he's been obsessively pursuing power you know, his whole life. And so he did put himself in this position. So he, he, of course, has a lot of the blame for the position that he's in. But I also put a lot of the blame, of course, around his handlers and also his wife. What kind of terrible wife do you have to be? What kind of terrible wife is Jill Biden? That she's going along with this. You know, that she's, that she's, she is one, one of the people shuffling Joe Biden along. Um, you, know, you, need, you need to look out for your spouse. And if you're married to someone who's losing their mind and says, I want to run for president, you say, no, you're not. Uh, but she wanted, to be the, she wanted to be a first lady. She wanted to be in the White House, too. And she doesn't really care about uh, Joe all that much. All right, this is from Yahoo. It says, after a failed gubernatorial bid last fall, Caitlyn Jenner has found a new gig. Hired as a Fox News contributor, the uh, former reality star and Olympic gold medals will offer commentary and analysis across Fox News Channel and various Fox News media platforms. Uh, Jenner, who's 72 now, will make her, using the language in this article, his official debut Thursday night on Hannity, which um, 
which he's appeared on before. So that's the news, is Caitlyn Jenner is now a Fox News contributor. And he did appear on Sean Hannity last night. We have some of that clip. I want to play a little bit of this. Let's watch. Had a lot of talks, actually, even with you, Sean, and other people at Fox when we were negotiating this deal. Um, as you know, as you might know, I am trans. And, but I'm not a trans activist. Um, that's just one part of my life. Uh, there's so much more to me. Um, but I think in the next, in the midterms coming up, um, LGBT issues are going to be very big issues, and I'm looking forward to covering those. But there's so much more to me than that. Uh, obviously, in 1976, I think was the best Olympics of all time. It was our, our bicentennial. Our country was 200 years old. Patriotism was at its height. I have been a patriot my whole life. And my father fought in World War II. My mother's 95. Uh, hi, Mom. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. she's a patriot. I grew up that way. And I, wanna, I want that to continue. I want to... Well, I was so proud to be the first person put the American flag up. And I want to I continue that. Okay. So Jenner says he's not a, an activist. Not a tra trans, but not a trans activist. Um... There are conservatives who seem to like to put Jenner out in the front here, especially when it comes to the trans issues, because recently Jenner has come out against um, men competing against women in women's sports and that sort of thing. Now, he, he has been all over the place on that issue. He's been back and forth on it. Not exactly a consistent voice. Um, same for the issue with like uh, giving drugs to kids. He's kind of been back and forth on that as well. Um, but even if he now, finally, at, at the age of 72, has staked out some ground here that he's going to stay on, which is that we don't want males in female sports, uh, don't drum kids, and so on. Like, that's the, that's the right point of view, so good for him. But it's, a, it's an incoherent, coming from Jenner, it's an incoherent argument. Because the only, taking Leah Thomas, for example... And Jenner has said, Leah Thomas should not be racing against uh, the females. Okay. But why? Right? The, the only reason why Leah Thomas should not race against the females is that he is not a female. That's the only reason. There's no other reason. If not for that fact, if not for the fact of his non-femaleness, his, his maleness, then there wouldn't be an issue. So the only reason, to that, the only coherent reason to oppose somebody like Leah Thomas and racing against women is that he is not a woman. Um, that's the only reason that anyone could come up with to oppose it. It's the only reason you need. That's the whole issue right there. But is, is that Jenner's position? Would Jenner say that Leah Thomas is not a woman? Well, no, he wouldn't say that. Any more than he would say that he himself is not a woman. So he obviously believes in the ideology of transgenderism. He's quite obviously a proponent of that. And yet he's tried to draw a line here and say, well, yeah, but we don't want them. Either Leah Thomas is a woman or a man, one or the other. And if you say that he's a woman, then, then your whole argument against having him in women's sports makes no sense. So even though conservatives might think it's a good political strategy to take somebody like Caitlyn Jenner, make him the face of uh, protecting women's sports or whatever. It, that's the worst strategy. First of all, it doesn't work. The left doesn't care. You, you cannot play the identity politics game against the left. They invented the game. They have rigged the game so that they always win. That's part of the rules of the game. It's like trying to play a, it's like trying to play a board game against a three-year-old. As far as they're concerned, the, one of the rules here is that they get to win. So you can't win the game anyway. It's impossible to do. And also, the, the position being articulated doesn't make any sense. There is no way to defend women's sports or defend children against this stuff without going right at gender ideology itself. And if you're not doing that, if you're just staying around the edges of it, then you're not going to be an effective um, advocate on this issue. Similar topic here. Um, 
still on the Trans Day of Visibility because it was uh, it was a major celebration yesterday. I have a couple other clips I want to play for you quickly. Nickelodeon, first of all, um, as we see how this is funneling down to the kids. So Nickelodeon, we know we know we know what Disney's all about. Nickelodeon, of course, is uh, no different. It's a lot worse, actually. And um, here is something they put out celebrating the uh, Trans Day of Visibility. Let's watch. In honor of International Transgender Day of Visibility, meet Time and Nickelodeon's 2021 Kid of the Year finalist, Rebecca Brusehoff. Growing up in the LGBTQ community has given me a different perspective on how I see the world. Trans kids are so much more than their gender identity, and it's so important for people to listen to kids. I wish for a world where everyone can be lifted up and celebrated. So today, and every day, we celebrate those who are helping others realize that everyone should be proud of what makes them who they are. Growing up in the LGBT community, as a, no child should be in a position where they're uttering a sentence like that. I mean, you grow up in the LGBT. How about just grow up as a child? You shouldn't be growing up in any community other than the neighborhood you live in. And if that's not uh, bad enough, ABC got in on the action. They brought a, the parent of a, quote, trans child out to talk about um, her experiences. Let's listen to that. Here is work that we all know, that we all still need to do, and we are here for it 150%. Now, you and your husband were known as the parents of four boys in your community before Chazzy transitioned. So what was that transition like for you as a parent? And what is your advice to other parents who are on a similar journey? So... When Cassie, our daughter, when she really started to communicate to us, and that was at the earliest moment that she actually had words and language um, to communicate to us who she truly was, um, we were a little surprised because we didn't expect it. And then as we just literally raised her, supported her, just like all parents do, raising, you know, we're teaching her the right values, we're teaching her to give back. You know, one of her favorite things in the world to do is to volunteer and be in service to others. You know, that surprise evolves into something just really cool and important. And and that is the realization that she's our daughter. And so what I would say to all of those parents out there and all the folks, by the way, millions of folks still in our country who say they've never met a transgender or non-binary young person, I would say this. I would say these children are here and they are wonderful. And all, all it takes is love. Jen Grosshandler of the Gender Cool Project. We appreciate it, Jen. Thank you. No, that's not that's not love. That's uh, it's not hatred either. I wouldn't say that she hates her child. I wouldn't say that. Um, I mean, maybe she does. There's a lot more evidence for her hating her child than her loving her child. Uh, I would say it's more indifference, just a total indifference to the well-being of her child. She says that uh, well, all you have to do is meet a transgender child. It's it's not possible to meet a trans child or a non-binary child because it doesn't exist. Um, what I what I can meet are children who are victims of abuse, such as your own. I mean, she she tells us that as soon as her daughter, which is her son, had words to speak, he was already insisting that he was a girl or whatever. I just I don't I don't believe. I mean, there there may be some parents out there who are crazy enough to actually think that when their two-year-old son says, I'm a girl, that you should take it seriously. Like, there might be a few parents who are crazy enough for that. But the vast majority of these parents are, are that lets them off the hook, which I'm not going to do. Gives them too much credit. They're not that crazy. Because you, you would have to be insane. All you have to do, if you spend any time around a, a very young child, and if you're raising a very young child, and you're around them every day, then there's no mystery here. It's very clear that young children have no grasp on reality whatsoever. And they go around all the time saying things that don't make any sense whatsoever. And everybody knows that. Any parent knows that. So if the boy even did say, I'm a girl or whatever, and, and it's possible he never even said that, but even if he did, they were, they were looking for that moment. They seized the opportunity to take their child, who they do not love, and to turn him into um, an accessory, 
you know, like a, in, as in a fashion accessory, a pawn, a prop that they could parade around, which is why the next thing these parents always do, what's the next step? Get it on Instagram, get it on TikTok, alert the media, alert the presses, bring them to the marches. I mean, if I'm even, if I'm, could be even tempted to believe that these parents have the best intentions. I can't even be tempted to believe that unless they're keeping all this to themselves and treating it as a private matter. Even that, I don't believe that there are good intentions. But the moment you go out and alert the media, let me call the Today Show, let me call up ABC News, whatever, it's it's 100% clear what your actual uh, intentions and motivations are. All right, let's move to something else. I mentioned this um, story about Clarence Thomas, and I have to tell you, it's a, a little bit upsetting. Aaron Rupar, who's a, a reporter, left-wing reporter, has dug up a pretty incredible story, and I think this is damning, I have to say. Um, you may have already heard about some of the revelations about Ginny Thomas, who's Clarence Thomas's wife, and it just so happens that we know Clarence Thomas was in the hospital earlier in the week, and um, it, when he's in the hospital, we weren't sure about his condition, and uh, thank God it seems like he's okay. But at the time, you know, there were conflicting reports. Could be a serious medical thing, and and right when he's in the hospital, that's when the media starts releasing all this information about his wife. You you might almost think like they're trying to kill him because they've waited until he's in the hospital to come out with this attack on his wife. Um, but the uh, the damning revelations about Ginny Thomas is that, is that she's a conservative and she believes things that lots of people on the right believe, and she's had the gall to um to. Talk about those beliefs, if you can believe it. And it's all, it's all pretty terrible. But that's not the big news. Um, this is the clip that was making the rounds. And a lot of left-wing reporters were, were uh, retweeting it and stuff. But listen to this clip that uh, Rupar found. The best part of being a justice? It's, first of all, it's, um, it'd be impossible without you. I'm, I have to be honest. I mean, it would be... Um, it's sort of like, how do you run with one leg? You can't. I mean, the, um, it makes it whole when I have my wife. My God. He loves his wife. This is, this is incriminating. I mean, kick him off the Supreme Court. This, put, arrest them both. They have been married for, for decades. And they still deeply love each other. That, that's, that cannot be allowed in America. That's, that's, uh, we, we can't allow that kind of perversion. It wants to tell you about the left that they, they really think that that's damning somehow. That he loves his wife. And, and why is it? It's actually, it's actually quite sad because so many of these people, Aaron Rupar and, and the rest of them, um, they've never, they don't know what a loving marriage looks like. They didn't see it in their own homes. They didn't grow up with one. You know, they grew up in broken homes. Um, these are all a bunch of like latchkey kids who grew up in broken homes. And, uh, and they've they just never seen it. And now maybe they're in relationships or in marriages and they're they, 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 they in a bad marriage themselves. And it's just this self-perpetuating cycle. And so when they encounter a loving marriage and they hear the kinds of things that a man who loves his wife will say about his wife, they're, take, they're, they're in shock. They can't believe it. It doesn't make any, it doesn't compute. I mean, just think about how they reacted all those years to uh, Mike Pence and still do to Mike Pence and, and, and his wife. Another damning revelation that um, Mike Pence doesn't go on like dinner dates with other women because he's married. And they still, that, that, that secret came out five, six years ago. They still haven't gotten over it. They cannot believe it. It's like, what are you, what are you saying to me? When you're married to a woman and you love her, then you, you, you want to be with her and not some other women, woman, and you don't date other people. What? Fidelity? Loyalty? I don't, it, just, it doesn't compute. Um, to any normal, sane person, you listen to that clip, and, you, and what, what do you think? Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's, I, I admire that. I'm, as a, myself, married 10 years, I, I look to that. That's, uh, that is my, my goal, to be in that position at that age. You just You like Clarence. All of the things... This, this is like, especially with Clarence Thomas. Um, anytime a video clip comes out of Clarence Thomas, and it's supposed to be something that makes me dislike him, every single time it only makes me like him more. I think, oh, wow, he's a great guy, it seems like. 
There's not a lot of those in D.C., so it is a little bit hard to believe, but apparently. Um, all right, let's move now to the comment section. Who's bringing shopping cards back to the rightful place? We're becoming saints here in the sweet baby gang. All right, we'll uh, do one video comment, as is the custom now, because I'm not going to press my luck. Let's try clip. Which one is it? 14. Hey, Master Matt, it's your boy Gibberish back here again. I uh, just want to get your opinions since we're on the subject of groomers and uh, people that are harming children and everything like that. I wanted to get your opinion on parents that smoke cigarettes around their children. Um, I personally believe that cigarettes should be criminalized. I don't think America should be that free of a country to where you can literally just spew out cancerous chemicals onto people around you. Um, but I wanted to get your opinion on that since we are talking about kids and everything. Um, it's also just like, it should be criminalized just because the excuse smokers give is that, oh, you know, I'm stressed. Well, no one really cares if you're stressed. Like, I don't really have any sort of feeling towards you that you're stressed. So there's no reason for you to try to give me cancer. Um, I just wanted to give your, just get your opinion on that and give my opinion as well, because I think more people need to realize that cigarettes need to be criminalized, but other than that, SBG for life. Thank you. I mean, you're singing my tune with the uh, no one cares if you're stressed bit. So I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that part. Um, and just in general, as I've said before, we should all stop talking so much about our stress and expecting everyone else to care about it. Uh, but as far as cigarettes go, I think, um, look, the, the claim that, uh, that, that secondhand smoke causes cancer, causes all these um, causes all these health problems, uh, among other people, obviously secondhand. I think a, a lot of that has been called into question to a certain extent by, um, some of the research that's been done over the last few years. I know, I know there was one study, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly. I know there was one study done, I think like in 2013, um, big sample size and trying to establish the connection between secondhand smoke and cancer. And they, they weren't exactly able to do it, much to the surprise, I think, of the researchers. Um, certainly, I think we can say that uh, just like passing by somebody on the street who's smoking a cigarette, it's not going to cause you any problems. It's not going to cause cancer. Um, it, the, the problem can only possibly arise when it's, over the course of many years, close contact with somebody, like being in the same house as someone for years and years and years where they're just smoking all over the place. And even then, in this one study that comes to mind, um, they were only barely able to make a connection between that and cancer. Uh, and, then, and then also, there were a lot of ex- uh, sort of um, uh, promises, exorbitant promises that were made about once we start banning smoking and we, we kick it out of polite society, which we've done, uh, we would start to see you know, the health benefits and uh, measurable health benefits because people aren't around secondhand smoke anymore. And I'm not sure that we've actually seen that either. So... It's not, as, it's not quite as straightforward as you're, as you're making it out to be. I also have no dog in this fight. I don't smoke cigarettes. Um, so, but I don't think the connection is quite as clear as you're making it out to be. And also the other thing about cigarettes is that I, I think we've done enough, right? Like it's, it's, everybody knows that it's unhealthy. I mean, it could not be, they put it right on the box. They've got the PSAs. It's like, they, this, is, this is one thing. Everybody knows this. And it's good that people know because they should. We've, we've kicked smoking out of almost every building. Now, if you want to smoke, like most, either you can't do it at all or they'll have, you know, a little somewhere outside in the cold. They have a little circle where you can all, all the smokers can huddle around in the freezing cold smoking. And uh, so I'm going to say, let's lay off the smokers now. That's my judgment. I think we've done enough. We've, we have ostracized them from society enough. We have done quite enough to make clear that it's unhealthy. Everybody knows that. They know it. And uh, so just just lay off. All right. That's my intelligent argument. All right. Um, Connor says, careful, Matt, when you're saying what you're saying about the silent majority at Disney sounds a lot like silence is violence. I agree that more conservatives should speak up. I just think we should encourage the sharing of opinions without implying that we oppose those who lack the bravery to speak up, ideologically speaking. I'm not saying silence is violence. I don't think it implies that. Um, No, silence is not violence. Here's what I would say. Silence is or often can be cooperation. And I don't think there's any denying that. 
that if this evil thing is happening and you know that it's bad, but you don't say anything and you just kind of go along, then you're, you are cooperating with it uh, implicitly. Might not be, it, it might be unintentional. It might not be what you want to do, but you are. So silent, and there's, there, there are a lot of people still cooperating with all forms of evil in our culture. Um, and that's what the silent majority claim tells me. If we are as conservatives, if we are still even just taking Disney aside, if we are the silent majority in the culture, even now, which conservatives will, will claim that we are, I'm not sure if that's true. But then again, shame on us. How have we allowed this to happen? I mean, look at what's, just take one, one area, the schools. And that these radical nutcases have taken over the school. Groomers have taken over the school system. How have we allowed that to happen? We've allowed it to happen largely through our silence. So I think it is cooperation. Um, Brady says, walking around school today, I saw they were selling buttons that said, stop hate. All I could think about was how Matt would rant on about how there are plenty of good reasons to hate things. Well, you're exactly right. And, and the other thing is the, the person who's, of course, should go without saying, the person wearing the stop hate button doesn't believe that themselves. Because I could guarantee there are all kinds of things and all kinds of people that person hates. Which, as a general principle, is fine. Because as, as you're exactly right. There's, there's nothing wrong with hate in and of itself. In fact, it's a, it's a good thing. Hate is the other side of love. It's another dimension of love. If you love now I'm going on the rant that you imagined I would going. All I'll say is if you, if you love someone, then you're also going to have hatred. Not hatred for them, but you're going to hate the things that harm the person that you love. So hatred always comes with love. If you don't have hatred in your heart and in your life, then you don't have love. Um, so Spoon says, if you have a company with one woke activist and 99 silent conservatives, you have 100 woke activists. In essence, I think that kind of summarizes how, how what I said. Well, in essence, you have, you have one woke activist and then 99 cooperators, I would say. Um, and uh, let's see. Finally, Cool Papa J Magic says, Matt, thank you for calling out the libertarians today. We need more of this. If you did this more often, I'd finally be able to stop watching Knowles altogether. Well, look, this is the only, I don't want to hear, this is the only show that you need here at the Daily Wire. Okay. Um, and I, I guess I've, I've already destroyed my anti-libertarian credentials by earlier coming out in favor of, uh, in defense of smokers. So, you know, you can't win every battle. You know, if there's one question I never thought I'd have to seriously ask the general public, it's what is a woman? But uh, unfortunately, here we are. And not only am I asking the question, I've made an entire film and written an entire book trying to answer it. Both are called What is a Woman? And the book is now available for pre-order at whatisawoman.com and also on Amazon where it just hit number two in the bestseller charts in the women's studies category. Actually, it was number one. So why are we saying number two? It's number one. This is the number one. Oh, it's number two now. Well, it was number one. So let's go with what it was. No, no. This is forever a number one best-selling women's study. Let's put that in the copy. Not number two. I am the best-selling, most prominent women's studies scholar in the world permanently. All right, we'll continue. Let's keep going. So help me find, you don't have to, I don't have to change the copy right now. I'm in the middle of talking. So help me find the answer to this elusive question. Pre-order my book, What is a Woman? at whatisawoman.com or on Amazon. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. I thought there could be some nice symmetry here if um, this week of shows were to end exactly how it began, talking about a subject, which I promise I'll never speak of again after this moment. It's probably true that um, too much has already been said about Slapgate. But then again, it's uh, one of the most entertaining news events to occur in many years. So, you know, we're, we're always kicking one dead horse or another in our country. So why not this one? Still, even though Will Smith's assault of Chris Rock has been discussed, debated, analyzed, dissected, interpreted, examined, scrutinized in every possible way, from every possible angle, seemingly, there's one point about the incident that has not been made, or at least not been made enough or loudly enough. And I'd be remiss if I allowed the week to end and officially retired from Slapgate discussions without bringing it up. And here's the point. Um, we know that Will Smith is a neutered cuckold prone to violent and performative rage. That much has been established. 
And he's received plenty of much-deserved criticism because of that, and also plenty of not-at-all-deserved support. And yet the biggest villain in this whole situation, the person who shares at least as much of the blame, if not more, has been left off the hook entirely. And that would be Will Smith's wife and lots of other men's girlfriend, Jada Pinkett Smith. Before we talk about her role in the slap that will live in infamy, we should take a look at Jada's background. Now, aside from the fact that she's been an actress for 30 years and has yet to appear in a good movie in her entire career, um, the first thing to establish about Jada Pinkett Smith is that she's extremely weird and creepy. So, for example, here she is a few years ago talking to her daughter about how her grandmother taught her, that is, taught Jada, about self-pleasuring, quote-unquote, at the age of nine. Listen. My grandmother taught me about self-pleasuring because she wanted me to know that that pleasure was from me. Exactly. She didn't want me to fall into the hands of a man and if he gave me pleasure to think that that was him. And she taught me at nine. Look at that woman's... I don't know who that woman is in pink, but she is so excited to hear about a nine-year-old being taught about masturbation. So... Reflecting back on her experience of being sexually groomed by her own grandmother, the bizarre lesson that Jada takes away from it is that sex is a selfish pursuit. When a woman is with a man, she says all the pleasure comes from herself, not from the man. I'm not even sure what that means exactly, except that this is a twisted, depraved woman. But this self-obsessed approach to life came through, I think, most profoundly and embarrassingly when Jada sat down with Will Smith on camera to discuss, in conspicuously unapologetic terms, her affair with another man, a rapper named August, who is only a little bit older than her son. Let's go back and watch that again. As time went on, I got into a different kind of entanglement mm-hmm. with August. And one thing I want to get clear about and clean up, one of the things that was kind of swirling in the press about you giving permission, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, the only person that can give permission in, in, in that particular uh, uh, yes. circumstance is myself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But what August was probably trying to communicate, mm-hmm. because I could actually see how he would perceive it as permission because we were separated mm-hmm. amicably. Yeah. And I think he also wanted to make it clear that he's not a homewrecker, mm-hmm. which he's not. I think so. I mean, because this is your red table and you like brought yourself to the red table. I think um, you need to say clearly what happened. As far as what? You and I decided we were going to take our space and what happened. Yeah. And then I got into an entanglement with August. That's what I said. An entanglement? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. A relationship. Yes. It was a relationship. Absolutely. I was in a lot of pain. And I was very broken. That's maybe the most brutal video clip in the history of the world. That's really hard to watch. Um, In entanglement, she says. And the only thing she cares to clarify to her husband when it comes to her sexual entanglements with other men is that she she didn't need his permission to sleep around. Also, she's the real victim because she was hurting. She was broken. Another way to heal her pain was to have sex with a rapper half her age. You know, it's bad enough to be a backstabbing adulterer in the first place, but Jada wasn't satisfied with that. She also had to traipse her broken shell of a husband out in front of the cameras and humiliate him publicly. All part of the fun for her, I suppose. But remember, she's still a victim, in spite of her awful toxic behavior, because she has alopecia. So let's keep that in mind. That brings us to the fateful night this past Sunday, when her husband once again humiliated himself in front of the world and uh, probably blew up his career in the process. It was a decision he made, uh, and he carries the blame for it, but it's fair to wonder what Jada was doing while her husband was getting up from his seat and strolling towards the stage. It's not like he got up and ran, by the way. I mean, he got up and walked, so she would have had time to stop him if she was interested in stopping him. How did she react? What was her role in all of this? Well, somebody in the crowd captured the immediate aftermath of the slap on their cell phone, and uh, it gives a good view of how Jada responded. Let's watch that. Here is an angle most people have not seen. Look at Jada's reaction. So, she's sitting in her seat watching this all unfold and laughing. That's how she responded, by laughing. What kind of wife responds that way as her husband destroys himself? Here's something that all young women out there ought to know before you get married, okay? Part of your job as a wife 
is to stop your husband from doing impulsive, self-destructive, stupid things. Now, I'm not saying this is a full-time job. Hopefully, he won't need round-the-clock supervision in this regard. Teenage boys are a different matter, right? I mean, they'll find 50 different ways to unintentionally destroy themselves and ruin their lives every day. But if they survive male adolescence and make it to adulthood, they'll have probably calmed down considerably. But even so, every once in a while, as men, we get it into our heads to do something outlandishly ridiculous and potentially harmful to ourselves. And we need our wives there to talk some sense into us. There's a reason why married men live longer than unmarried men. This is the reason. So I'll give one example from my own life, just as an example. So as you heard on the show a few months ago, at one of my recent college talks, I um, decided to go outside and physically confront a mob of angry protesters in the street. Why did I do this? Well, mostly because I thought it would be funny, and it was. But it was also not the smartest thing to do from a physical safety perspective. My wife was not there to stop me. If she had been, she would have thrown herself in front of the door to prevent me from risking my safety for the sake of a joke. She was not able to stop me, though. She wasn't there. We did, we did have a, 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 a discussion about it after the fact. And now every time I have a speech, she implores me not to throw myself into the middle of any more angry mobs. And she checks in with me repeatedly through the night to make sure that I am keeping that promise. It kind of ruins my fun, to be honest. But I recognize that she's doing her job as a wife. You know, that's what wives are supposed to do. So I, I appreciate that. If Jada was a good wife who loved her husband... She would have leapt up from her chair, grabbed Will as he headed to the stage and said something like, what the hell are you doing? And Will would have responded, well, I'm going to go smack Chris Rock in the face in the middle of the Oscars because he made fun of you. And Jada would have said, are you insane? Have you lost your mind entirely? Did you smoke crack on your way here? Sit your ass back down. We'll talk about this later. And then she would have been very sullen and annoyed for the rest of the night. And after the ceremony, Will would have said, hey, let's go to the after party. But Jada would have responded that she's not in the mood to party and they need to go home and have a long talk. That's the way it would have played out if this was a healthy marriage or even just a real marriage. And if Jada was a decent person and a caring wife. Instead, she sat there and laughed as her husband imploded in front of the world. Probably enjoyed the whole spectacle. She she obviously has a thing for embarrassing him. Sure, he seems eager to participate in his own self-debasement, but that's no excuse for Jada Smith. And so that's why she is today, at the end of the week, finally canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Talk to you on Monday. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. And hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven.